To celebrate International Women's Day, Brickle has launched a month-long campaign to highlight inspiring women who empower others. We're kicking off the series with a feature on Khadija Diggs, a fearless triathlete who has rewritten the rulebook to create greater inclusivity for hijabi athletes. Khadija's passion for breaking down barriers stems from her own experience of exclusion, and she's now paving the way for a new generation of female athletes to compete without compromising their beliefs. In this interview, we sit down with Khadija and Jason Reinhardt, Brickle's chief commercial officer. Jason met Khadija during his time as a designer, he worked closely with Khadija to design a suit that would meet the demands of an Ironman triathlon, as very few brands were making hijabi gear at the time. Fewer still were making them in a way that integrated critical details like ventilation holes and performance fabrics for coverage, which is where Jason's expertise was so instrumental. As he continued to work with her, he heard more about the obstacles she faced and became an ally in Khadija's struggle for fair treatment. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hi, my name is Jason Reinhardt, and I'm the co-founder and the CCO of Brickle. Uh, and I met Khadija back in 2018 when we were introduced to uh, a company I worked with, and Khadija was uh, racing. That was one of her sponsors for her nutrition companies. And how we got connected was Greg and Glenda said to me one day, can you please help Khadija? She could use a fully covered kit and you've already done this before, once before, and we think you would be perfect to do that. My name is Khadija Diggs. I was born Kelly Diggs, but everybody has, since I was like 18 has called me Khadija, only the bank and my mom call me Kelly. Um, <laughs> um, I am a Muslima first, um, a mother. Um, I am a triathlete. I race with Team USA and I have since 2016. And I am a project manager and a mechanical engineer by education. And I work for the regional power company. I'm just always shocked because you're a Khadija. Everybody looks at you, starts out, well, oh, she's a triathlete. Oh, yes. And then she's Muslim. And then you find out your work career. You find out your mom. And you're not like, oh, she's a single mom with one child at home. I mean, it is. You go all in big, like all the way. <laughs> And I'm, and I'm intend to go in all in big with the kids. It just, it just happened. But I, I, I don't, I don't post a lot about my kids because I don't want to take over their lives as far as you know making them public. But my kids are my reason for everything. You follow through. I think if I had to describe you, it's not relentless. There's a lot of relentless people, but a lot of relentless people fall short and they don't follow through, right? And we kind of go back to some previous right people that were trying to pioneer this, but were they doing it for the betterment of all or were they doing it for the betterment of them individually? And sometimes I find a lot of people are pursuing and there's no problem with pursuing your dream, but don't hide it as you're trying to change the whole world. If it yeah. really you're just trying to change the world for yourself, not for everybody else. And I think you really look out for everybody. I will work with anyone who is trying to normalize off the shelf kits for Muslim women, mm -hmm. my goal is to, to normalize it. I want for my Muslim sisters what I've had access to for years. But if it's only for me, what it dies with me. What what difference does it make? My inbox went berserk, <laughs> after this. literally. And I was getting, I, and I was I was like a little kid marking all the countries that um, I got inboxes from. 
Indonesia, Malaysia, South Africa, Kenya. Um, I got two from Argentina. These are all women who are like, I was thinking about racing, but I didn't know what to wear. Well, kind of going back to what you said with Zoot, I think this is a really good example, right? That's how companies view it is, well, what's in it for us, right? What's the, what's the financial gain? And the reality is, you don't get the financial gain until you change things, right? It has to be adapted into the market. And I really, what I really find distasteful, and this is just in business in general, is the companies that have the most impact, the most outreach, the most, they only change when they see somebody else smaller pioneering it and driving it, making that change. And because they have those resources, those are advantages. In other words, if you're Team USA, you have advantages. Yes, but why didn't you take those advantages and utilize them two years ago, three years ago, four years ago when you were asked and told, oh, well, I'm not going to make one of them. That right? That's what everybody tells you. Oh, I'll make you one, Khadija, but it'll be $1,000 or something, right? They're going to charge an, an arm and a leg. It's just, it's ridiculous. And that's where I was like, when we got together, I said, this is going to be the second one I've made. I know some of the mistakes from the first one. <laughs> I know exactly what we're doing. But, and what I like is our relationship was always perfect where you could just say what it is. I don't like this one. I like that better. I'd rather wear, you know, I mean, you needed to know where it's going to be. It's easy to make a race suit for athletes that are just like the normal clinky, like whatever, right? The, the whatever they're supposed to look like. It's difficult to make a race suit that is fully covered and you have to be able to, to adapt and adjust for all body shapes and sizes, right? How are they gonna come? How are they gonna show up? And make people feel comfortable in them. And that's hard to do at Spandex anyway, no matter how you do it, but you, you, you wanna make it, you wanna do the best you can. But I really, like when we first put your kit up, that was actually on Brickle, by the way, that was the very first 3D design one of the very first kits we had ever put on a 3D design. So when I sent it to you and it kind of had like the, the, the all the 3D visualization in it, that was the very first thing we ever did on the Brickle platform. The first time I earned a first place, and I thank God I didn't know it while I was on the podium. I thought the lady had just gone to the bathroom or something and had missed the podium. Somebody told me afterwards, the woman refused to get on the podium with me because she felt that I had cheated because I raced fully covered. And mind you, this was a time when I was racing in an open water swimsuit and a rash guard shirt. I swam in a shirt. Somehow she somehow felt that I was cheating. That's like racing with ankle weights on. I can't even believe you did that with that drag. <laughs> and I and I only won by 11 seconds. I had to bike and run everybody down because if I was always slower on the swim because of the shirt. Right. I always ignore the noise because I always look at the same thing. Wait until you, people can pre-complain better than anything I've ever seen. And I always say, well, why don't you wait until it happens before you complain? Like somebody gets caught cheating doing something. But again, cheaters are going to cheat. And we were at the championship, right? And I remember we were talking. And this is what actually started off, Suze, because I was really angry at this, is the pressure to actually race, your mindset, focus, rest, eating, travel, sleep, nutrition, everything has to be dialed in. And that is, that is if you have no outside distractions, that is an unbelievably stressful and, and, and hard way to get your mind focused to be in race mode. I'm ready to just lay it down. But you have that extra layer where you're waiting to find out if they're going to disqualify you before you even get in the water. The stress alone is very heavy, right? It's very stressful, that mass swim start, everything in there. 
But then they have to add that extra layer where you're sitting there going, am I about to get disqualified right as I get in the water after I've done all this work to come halfway around the world? That isn't, to me, that's not fair mentally. I've had several instances where I've had issues right at the race start. The first one was in Raleigh. I was told I had to let the race director know. I let the race director know, and um, she sent me an email saying, you know, that's fine. Um, and I, I was so paranoid about these situations. I printed the letter in triplicate. I do everything in triplicate and <laughs> took it with me to the race. Then at the athlete's brief, briefing, as a courtesy, I just reminded her. I introduced myself. I reminded her. And um, I let her know that, you know, who I am and that I would be racing fully covered. Then she proceeded to tell me that if it was not wetsuit legal, I was going to have to race in the back with all of the, the, the novices who were going to race in a wetsuit, even if it was um, not wetsuit legal. And... <laughs> Just to wait, just just to give you guys Susan's perspective is what they're telling her is you can't win any awards. It means you're allowed to participate, but you're not racing technically. So even if she won, she's not allowed to win. That's what they're basically did. And my my best friend is extreme. She's smaller than I am, and she's extremely protective. She went ballistic. I said, "Don't worry about it, Eileen. I'm I'm going to go to the race start, and regardless, I'm going to race with my wave." I was petrified. I even took the note and I put the note in my cap. I swam with the note in my cap. When I got to the race start, my wave um, was going, this is when we still race by age group. I went to the front with my, with my age group and I belong to a group called BTA, the Black Triathletes Association. We, some of these people, we, you never even meet them. Uh, you just know them online. And somehow the word about what was going on got around and two officials were literally walking up to take me off the line. And two of the guys that actually like got in the way, they acted like they were confused, got in the way, the horn went off and I dove in and started swimming. I think to this date, that was the fastest transition from swim to bike I ever had. Because as soon as I got out of the water, I was laser beam looking for any official. I ran to my bike. My jersey wasn't even zipped up properly. And I took off and I, I finished I finished the race. But the energy that I expect, my heart rate was at race heart rate before the race. Before oh. the race, looking at my heart rate data, my heart rate was already at like 150 while I was waiting. If you bring in the Muslim community, it's not like they start out day one and start dominating the sport, but they got to participate. They got to be a part of something and they should be just like everybody should be. It's not just this. Everybody should have. You shouldn't wait till people like you and I beat up on you for years before you make changes. It should be something you, you look over and go, we should initiate it. But we, you know what I mean? Right. They never contacted us back. You have to stay on them. And you're bringing up something that's a valid point. And I always say I was really disappointed that the ITU. They just look at it and give you their politically correct answer that a corporation would do. Oh, you know, that's something you're bringing a good point. We'll bring it to the board. I like what you're saying, blah, blah, blah. You'll never hear from them again. Yes, we've been considering this. We're looking maybe review committee and no committees ever formed. Nobody's ever doing anything. It just comes down to is relentlessness. You have to. I never realized until some of these moments that how much work it takes to get one small change. Like it's a, it's a tremendous amount of work. But you know what, Jason, they, 
when athletes started just liking to race with the the sleeves mm-hmm. and overnight and it wasn't because of any health reason or religious reason they just liked it so yeah. they made it okay to race that way and that was one of the things that i pointed out as well if you can go down to to the elbow you can't go stick well for at least for me six a little six inches further you that's <laughs> that's too much fabric mm-hmm. and then and then i you know iron man is t- always talking about the demographic of the the people who race especially if you look at muslims in the united states they're looking for people who have disposable income most of the muslims that are in the united states are professionals they they got the money to race they have the disposable income so oh, like I think most of the, I think I think they don't. It's not that I don't think they pay for anything. They they get paid to wear the suits. They get paid and given the suits. So they definitely have disposable income plus the free suits, yeah. right? You you paid for your suit. I want to be clear about this. Yeah, she wasn't and, and, she wasn't given anything. Yes, we did all the R and D. We covered all that, but she still paid for her suit. But I didn't charge her a nickel more than I would have charged anybody else for a custom suit because we just wanted it to be because I knew the same thing you said if we make it perfect for you we've universally made it a good suit for everybody right and that's what I've I've, I've tried to make it clear um when people speak to me I was not sponsored by Exceed I was not sponsored by Tri Serena I am not sponsored by Varlo I'm not even on team Varlo I'm I'm I have no association with them um zone 3 made um the, the my team USA kit for last year. I have no association with them. I'm not sponsored by uh, them at all. And I always tell 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 this story because it's really what clicked off a lot for me. When they were getting kits, Glenda says, you know, I want to I want to talk to you about something. They personally called me and they said, we're going to connect you uh, with with Jason because the initial kit designer that they had worked with didn't um, work out. Um, We're going to get you a, I said, Oh, you know, don't worry about it. I'll just, they said, no, they said you race and we want you to have a racing kit like everyone else. And they insisted on it. And I will, I'll never forget that moment. It was like an aha moment. Like, yeah, you know what? I'm out here putting in the work just like everybody else. I do deserve a, a, a race kit. Not some yeah. leg coolers and arm coolers, and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to them for that, and I will always remember that moment. That was the part where the first thing, the rule, and I remember this. Why didn't they want us to have a fully covered kit? Because they say it's cheating. You have advantages. To which the argument, I remember, I set them up for this with the ITU, and I remember the way they said it, very politically correct. Is it the advantages you would get with this and everything else? Yes, but if you let everybody do it. Doesn't everybody still have all the same advantages? No comment. Crickets, right? Like that moment where you realized is it's not just a, for Muslim people. If you're changing the rule, well, then others can do it, too. So if you're saying it's a competitive advantage, they all have the same competitive advantage. I, and, and that was the part where I kept saying is you're trying to dial it in too narrow. And we're trying to say is make it it's for everybody. We're not trying to say exclude everybody but Muslim women. We're just saying it can include them and anybody else that wants to use the same advantages in there. Uh, one last question I want to ask is, if you had one thing to say 
just from what you've dealt with, just in the triathlon to get to where it is, what advice would you give to somebody who has to fight the exact same kind of battle? What is it that you can give to somebody else that's dealing with the exact same situation in totally different area? It's the, you know, it's the same situation. Remember why you're involved in, in the sport first. Um, love it. Continue to love it. Don't let the negative impact your love for the sport. Um, two, two um, align yourselves yourself with people who are like-minded and who love the sport simply because because it'll all you'll always remember that and you'll always feel the love and enjoyment even when the negative things are happening and the third thing is be open and willing to be vulnerable and connect yourselves with people who know what you don't know clearly sharing with you the issues that I was having and you saying, oh, I can help with that. You never know who can help. Connecting myself with 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 Glenda and Greg and saying, you know what, I'm having these issues. Oh, I can help you with that. Some it, it what the saying it takes it takes a village. It's it, I know right now people are giving me a lot of accolades for these rule changes. And yeah, the the one consistent from day one all the way to now has been the fact that I've kind of, I've been the potent, not kind of, I've been the poster child, but I haven't, I'd be a liar if I said I got to the finish line all alone. That would be a lie and it wouldn't be fair. So just love it for the sake of loving it. Be around positive people and be vulnerable enough. And I think smart enough to say, look, I can't do this on my own and find the people who know all the bits and pieces and pull them together. Women who aren't even Muslim, they said they're going to race, uh, they're going to, we're going to do a, like a, a short group ride together, fully covered, because I've met so many women who, they, they don't race covered, but they say, you know, we're sorry this is happening. We support you. And they just want to say that they're glad that the rules have changed and they're, they're happy for us. And I'm sorry. Don't let it go, please. Don't be sorry for expressing. Look how much work. Let it out. It's just been a long time. And um, it's been a lot of tears the last couple of weeks because it's been a long journey. And I just, I just want to race like everybody else. And I don't want to see another Muslim woman want to race and go through some of the things that I went through because everybody doesn't have what I have. And I'm just, I'm grateful for people like you who've been there and have stood up for me when I couldn't stand up for myself and I'm grateful. You always have my support and I truly believe you have an army of support behind you. And that's it. We hope you enjoyed this powerful and moving conversation. In Khadija's words, rules should not be used to dehumanize an athlete simply because they are not the traditional athlete. There couldn't be a greater acknowledgement of this now, down in black and white. And for every generation of hijabi athlete that makes over the finish line, there's a hope that they'll know Khadija's story to keep pushing the boundaries for true inclusivity. If you want to know more about Khadija's story, you can read the blog we wrote on her titled Defying Limits, Khadija Diggs 
We'll link to this in the show notes, along with a link to Diversion Infusion Syndicate by Khadija, an organisation she created to help underrepresented women train for triathlete. If you like this episode, please follow our show so you never miss another. Until next time, take care.